So let's learn together two pieces from Rebel Yelapian and Shvivei Lev. The first one is on page Reish Memches, right at the top, Ais Kuf Beis. And he's discussing a capital Tehillim that we say very often these days, and that's Shira Malis Mimamakim Krasicha Hashem, that from the depths we call out to you, Hashem. Rebellia heard from the altar of Kelim. The pshat in this capital is, Kleimar, Lechal Adam Yesh Nakuda Ba'emek Halev, Asherhu, Asherhi Muchana Ba'emedes Tamid Lukre B'Shem Hashem. A person has a point in the depths of his heart that he is always ready constantly to call out in the name of Hashem. Meaning, there's in every one of us, regardless of how close we feel at any given time to Hashem, at any tkufa in our lives, we have a point inside of us that always really wants to cry out to Hashem. But why don't we? Why don't we always like look towards Hashem when we're in a desperate situation or when we're in a in any situation? The problem is that we are so steeped sometimes in the depths of the dirt of materialism and hanais that we're simply unable to call out Hashem. We want to call out. But that yearning to call out is sort of muted and suppressed by our attachment to the Hanais of Eilam If we would not be so attached to Eilam Hazeh, to our food, to our vacations, to our lifestyles, to our uh, uh, whatever we're busy with all day, we would be constantly crying out to Hashem and speaking to Him and engaging Him. But it's buried, it's very, very deeply buried underneath the pile of That's why a person has to dig up in the depths of his soul, he has to dig, he has to take a shovel and start digging and to shake off that dust. And then, when he could do that, then he could uh, arrive at the mamakim. <coughs> So that's what, how he touches this pasuk beautifully. From the depths, I cry out Hashem. What does it mean? I cry out Hashem from the depths, because sometimes the only way that we could really come to our natural uh, yearnings, desires to call out Hashem is mimamakim, and we're able to dig deeply into the aimek hanefesh, into the depths of our soul removing all of the layers of materialism, all the layers of taiva and Eilam only then can we come to Krasich HaShem. When we're able to dig deep, then Krasich HaShem, we're able to call out HaShem. If a person is Mesiach Daita, he doesn't bother uh, calling out Hashem's name from the depths of his heart, then other things come to him. They're sent to him to do it another way. Those are the, the pains. And with that, they are able to remove the dirt from itself, by itself, meaning 
we can we have a choice in life. We have to reach that point Hashem. So there are two ways of doing it. There are two ways of getting to the depths of of our core underneath all of that built up uh The one way is to do it on our own, to say, listen, I don't want to have so much Ilamaza. I wanna I wanna dig up and get to my core. I don't wanna have all of this the trappings of, of this world that uh, that separates me from Hashem, that makes me lose sight of what I'm supposed to be doing, so I can voluntarily go and, and, I, could, uh, and I could dig deep, and, and that's a very good way of doing it. The other way of doing it is that HaKadosh Baruch has some tools to get us, his shovels, to get us to, to dig away, and that's not by us doing it on our own. When we're not interested in doing it on our own, he does something else. And that's Rahman al-Tzlan, he sends us terrible Yisurim. He sends us troubles and pains and challenges and stress. And when that happens, then that itself is able to break through the veneer of Eilam Hazeb because then we're like so shaken to the core about our, our fragility, our, our frailty, that the, the dirt comes off. I don't have to dig because HaKadosh Baruch Hu sort of does the digging for us that by sending us the Shluchim of Yisurim, it becomes very apparent that this world is really nothing and, and we have to start working on being, calling out to Hashem. You know, just uh, autobiographically, um, the last, I guess, 40 hours, I, I experienced this a little bit myself. Um, I guess the night uh, before last, I was uh, I had terrible pains like the whole night, not really the whole night, but towards like morning, and my stomach was like beyond killing, and it was like whatever without getting into all the gory details. But I uh, I uh, I went, I gave the daf, which I don't know how I did it. I was like mamish. I didn't think I'd be able to sit for. Five minutes, more than five minutes, I couldn't sit, but Hashem gave me the kaya to sit for 31 minutes. And then davening, I was like in and out, in and out, taking my tefillin off. And, and then I, so, and then we had orientation. I, I don't think I've missed orientation for 23 years, but um, I, I made an appointment with a doc. The only appointment that he has was at 9.45 when orientation started. And I was in the office, like I, I had to wait five minutes in the waiting room and I was going crazy. Like I was like pacing back and forth in the waiting room and like a, like a, you know, like an animal in a cage. And then like I finally got, I said, doc, I can't talk to you. I'm like in such pain. And he, so he, I explained to him what, you know, my, my situation and he took some, he took some tests and whatever. He sized me up right away that I have, uh, I have a kidney stone. And kidney stones are, I hope none of you ever know about it, but uh, it's a very, very painful thing. It's sort of like a blockage, uh, you know, in the mayayim to get to, anyway, whatever. And um, and so the whole day I was in terrible use, and the doctor was nice enough, he made a house call, and he gave me um, like a drip with IV and, uh, you know, and, and morphine, and that felt good for a while, and then it wore off. And then at night, I went with my son at like 6.30 at night to a hospital in Long Island, and I had to wait there four hours without any painkillers. I was going crazy. Four, I knew, and no one was leaving. It was like a packed waiting room, 
and no, so if people are moving, they're, you know, see, if you look at there's the same people were sitting there for two hours already next to me. Oh, that came way before me. I don't know. I wasn't able to sleep. I was in such pain. These serum were shrekloch, and then uh, they gave me a cat skin. They gave me more uh, morphine, and um, anyway, by early this morning, I already Baruch Hashem felt a little better. Now Baruch Hashem, I think I'm almost all better, but. Just it was a little taste of Yisurim. I mean, you know, I told my doc, the doctor, I said, like, I'm going through this for like, you know, for like a few hours, and I'm going crazy. What about people that have yanamachla? You know, that literally have to sometimes for years and years go through every single day, um, you know, the nausea of chemotherapy and the doctor's appointments and waiting in hospitals, waiting by oncologists. You know, or people with Lyelena with sick children, or with just like, you know, there's there's Yisurim, and then they're like, I'm complaining about my, you know, 24 hours of Yisurim, but there are people that have Yisurim every day of their lives, people with, you know, stomach issues, or, or mental issues, or, uh, uh, you know, or, or people in the hospitals in Eretz Yisrael that have limbs torn off of them from, from you know, from the war, and like... Those Yisurim are ways that Akharish Baruch Hu, um, digs up from inside of us all of the the dirt that that separates us. And I, I, I mean, I mean, I hope this lasts. But like, since that happened, I, my Ashayatzers are a lot different, and I hope that that continues. And my benching is different, and my Shmanesres are different. I mean, I, I only had like three of them, but um, but. If a person's able, that that's what Yisurim does. Yisurim is able to dig up mimamakim so that we're able to be krasi Hashem, to call out Hashem. That's the, the gift of Yisurim. Yisurim does not seem like a gift at all. You don't want it. You don't want to think about it. You don't want to have it. You, don't want, you want to have normal, you know, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu sometimes has to use Yisurim in order to wake us up. So we have a choice. Either we can wake ourselves up and we could, you know, dig our dig a, dig the dig to the depths of our of our essence and discover the mimamakim by ourselves, or we have to wait for Hakadosh Baruch Hu to do it for us, and that's by giving us the clarity that only Yisurim can bring. And it's no fun. This is that the second way is not the right way to do it. But benkachu benkachu Either way. Plan A or Plan B, you're going to reach. The goal of man is to reach the point of Krasi Hashem that I naturally call out Hashem. And one of the great Apikorsim in our days, I don't know who he's talking about, he got very, very sick. He needed a surgery. And when they put him on the stretcher, on the gurney, to take him in for surgery, he, even this, this great Apikaris was able to recognize and say Shema Yisrael as he was being wheeled into his surgery. And that's how it works. You either have, you know, Apikaris, to, to be an Apikaris is a luxury. You know, so many times you see people and they're talking very uh, um, belligerently against Hashem or cynically about Hashem, and that's a luxury. That means that everything is so good in your life that you have the, you're not afraid to do that. You think everything is so great. But once all of a sudden things turn around and now you need God, 
So then already that's when you're going to come back to him. You have two choices. Either Mamakim is on your own, your own digging, or it could be sometimes with HaKadosh Baruch doing the digging for you, and that's by causing the terrible, dreaded Yisurim. Okay, that's one Yisai that I wanted to share with you tonight from Rebellia. And let's do one more. I know it's a little, um, it's a one parsha early, but I saw it, I liked it, I wanted to share it with you. It's a little bit Nagea, current events. So let's see, Ais Kuf Dalin, Vayishma Yisrael. So next week's parsha that Yisrael heard, Vayamar Chazal Mashmur Shamur, but what did Yisrael hear exactly that made him come? Kriyas Yamsov Umelchemes Yisrael came out to the Midbar to meet Meish Rabbeinu and Klai Yisrael because he heard two things. He heard Kriyas Yamsov, he heard about the great miracle of the Yamsov Umelchemes Amalek, he also heard about the Melchama of Amalek. I understand Kriyas Yamsuf that he heard all the Nisim and the Neflois. And the, the, the lowly Shifcha, the lowly maidservant, Chazal Talas, was able to see such great prophecy on the Yam. They, they were able to see Akarish Baruchu, the Chvaydev Atzmai, Mashalai Roy, Cheskel Bambuzi. Yecheskel, the great Navi Yecheskel, who saw the Maisa Merkava, he wasn't able to see what the lowly Shifcha was able to see Alayam. So I understand why that would galvanize Yisrael to pick himself up and to come to Klal Yisrael, because it's, it's fascinating, it's very, uh, you know, it's very tantalizing to join up with the people that were Zeicha to such Nisim and Eflais. So I understand why that would prompt him to be Miskaya to convert. Why did Melchemes Amalek get him to go and travel and join the ranks of Klai He says, but what is known, what is, what is publicized in our times will clarify this question. Shahayu Kama Kaifim for some London. In London there were many Kaifrim. And they were famous Kaifrim. Once they heard the wickedness of the uh, of the Germans, this is during World War II, Hitler Visyatim Ashimam, Hishila Hamin Bashem, amazingly they started believing in Hashem. After the Holocaust, the Holocaust did one of two things to Jewish thinking, to Jewish philosophy. For some people, it made, it made many from people go off the derech. They were not able to understand how HaKadosh Baruch could do such, such things to, to his people. That six million people should be murdered, men, women, children, in such barbaric ways, and suffering for so many years, like how could the loving, caring God do this? And they went off the derech. There were, there were, there were sizable uh, portions of the Jewish population that, that took that route. There were other Jews, on the other hand, that when they weren't religious before the war, they found God during and after the war. Why? Because it had the opposite effect. They didn't have Tainus on Hashem, but they saw that were it not for godliness, were it not for, for the gift of spirituality, 
we would be no different than those Nazis. The Nazi animals are, were animals because they were godless people. So if, I, if I'm going to be a godless person, so then I could fall prey to being on the same level as the Nazis, Yimach Shemam. So in order to prevent that from happening, they went the other way, and they actually became religious. The people that were Apikursim, these famous Apikursim in London, they actually became religious during and after the war of Amru. Without faith in God, it's possible to be even lower than the, the most wicked animal, the most uh, rabid beast is nothing compared to a human. I remember when I, was, uh, when I was a kid, so we used to go to the Bronx Zoo. Um, and, you know, whenever, on, whenever my parents wanted to take me to a zoo, it was generally the Bronx Zoo, I think. And there was one exhibit, there was one like, a, like a, an indoor part of the zoo, maybe it was where the, par- where the birds were, or maybe where the monkeys were, I don't know. And then at the and then there was uh, there was a to get out you had to pass by um, a certain part of this uh, structure, and there was a sign that said, "World's most dangerous animal." And like you're looking, where is that? And then there's a mirror underneath it, meaning, and every person looks at themselves in the mirror and said, "Oh, I'm the world's most dangerous." And it's true. There's no more dangerous animal in the world than the two-legged human being. You see what they're capable of doing. You see what, uh, what, you know, what Hamas is able to do and, uh, and, and the Nazis were able to do and Yimach Shemam and all these people. And, and besides for the Jewish wars, there are, there are tribal wars going on every, every day in Africa. Thousands of people are killed. Uh, the UN doesn't, of course, notice that. It's not important to them. They only notice when, when, when the Israelis do something. But there's, human beings are very dangerous people. They're very, every day you could read about murders taking place in any part of the world, even in civilized parts of the world, and, and torturing people, etc. So the human being is very, very dangerous. Why are they dangerous? They're dangerous because they're, the human being, without emunah and Hashem, really has no moral compass. I mean, why? Let's imagine for a second, Rahman al Sam, there would be no God in the world. We, we would be people that have no, there's no Yerushamayim, that there's no emunah. So, we would, who says that we would be any different than them? Right? What makes us, why would you? Why wouldn't you do anything that you, why wouldn't you steal and kill and, 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 you know, and, and take anything that you want? There's no God, there's no punishment, there's no, there's no moral conscience, there's no, uh, so, so why wouldn't we? So the Nazis didn't have a God, and therefore they were able to do the worst atrocities in the world. So when people that weren't from saw that, during the Holocaust, they said, okay, we have to do tshuva, we have to find God, because this is, we don't want to be those Nazis. There's a story that's told about the Kleisenberger Rebbe during the war, that he was in one of the terrible camps that he was in, and, um, and he was together in the same bunk as a, as a Freya Yid, as a guy that wasn't from during the war. He was, I think he was a Cheshava member of, of a certain government or whatever. He was a Jewish guy, and he was, uh, but he was an Apikairis. And 
one day the, the Nazis were like whipping the Jews and making them bleed and dying and shooting and terrible day. And, and um, this person said to the Kleisenberger Rebbe, do you still believe in what you say, that you chose us all, over all the other nations of the world? Do you still believe that? Are we really the chosen people after seeing how, you know, how, how brutalized we are? And the Kleisenberger says, I say it with more kavana now, because were it not for the fact that we were chosen, we might also be animals like these people. So when you see like people that are really like completely disgusting animal, animalistic, barbaric people, that should inspire us to become greater and more intensified in our amuna. This is what Chazal mean when they say that Yisrael heard about Kriyas Yamsov and Mochemes Amalek, Leimar. He heard both sides of the coin at the same time. He heard about Kriyas Yamsov and he also heard about Mechias Amalek. Shama Kriyas Yamsov im Kal the great wonders of the splitting of the sea. The whole world knew about this. The Shama Eid, and he heard more than that. Shala Achresh Shama Amalek. Gamhu vade kriyas yamsov. Amalek also knew about kriyas yamsov. Afal pikein lehises ubalach. He didn't. He didn't flinch, and he came to attack Klal Yisrael. How do you do that? You knew kriyas yamsov existed. You saw kriyas yamsov. You were eating your cereal, and the milk split that day of kriyas yamsov in your bowl, and you didn't chapta. You didn't. It didn't make a reshem on you. You. You were able to still go and attack Klal Yisrael. Mizeh shafat Yisrael benafshei. So from that, Yisrael made this cheshben, if you don't come, when you hear some amazing nisim, if you don't come right away to Miskayer, what could happen? You could also go up against Klal Yisrael. That's what called the two things together. It wasn't that two separate things. It was that Kriyas Yamsov was world famous, and yet Amalek was able to go and fight Klal Yisrael. That didn't stop them. They weren't afraid to, to fight against Klal Yisrael. That's only because of the fact that they weren't Megaya right away. If you don't, if you don't take the initiative and, and be Megaya immediately, then you could even come to go against Klal Yisrael, to go against the Rabbani Shalom. So Yisrael realized that he had to, he had to right away go after hearing about Kriyas Yamsov, go and be Megayer, because otherwise, if he doesn't do it right away, what's going to happen is he's going to forget about the Rishim, he's going to even be liable to go up against, against Klal Yisrael himself. And I think this is, uh, the reason why I wanted to share this piece with you is because I think that, you know, it's very Negea uh, with what we're going through every single day with this Mochama and yesterday, of course, was a terrible, terrible day. Twenty-four soldiers, Rahman al-Islam, were killed in a single day. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not, it's not even a number that we can process. Even one soldier, I mean, I, you know, you see every day, if you're, if you're watching, maybe it's better not to watch the news or to look at the news, but, but if, you're, if you're watching it, then you see every day, came out every day, soldiers that died, and they all... I made this comment to somebody and they agreed with me, like, and a lot of people, 
they all look so nice, these soldiers. No, like there's not one soldier that you wouldn't want in yeshiva. You know, like they all, they have like the, there's a chen to them. There's like a beauty to them. And, and each of these soldiers have families and they have wives, they have children, they have parents, they have cousins, they have, and, and they're young and they're able and they, 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 their life is just cut short because of this melchama. And this is something that, you know, that is supposed to be us to do tshuva. That if we, if we see, you know, the, this is a mochama, this is a tremendous mochama against, against the Amalek of our time, which is Yishmael, I think the Svarim HaKadoshim say that. And just like Yisrael, when he saw what was going on, he saw that the, the attack of Amalek against Kalah Yisrael that made him do tshuva, made him come and be Megayer, so the war has to somehow make us get closer to the Rabbi Shalom. If we, you know, we have a choice to make. Either we could be the, those people that say, I, you know, how could such a thing be and how could such tragedy come and we can move away from the Rabbi Shalom. That's, that's an option, I guess. But the other option, it's the option that Klai Yisrael as a whole seems to be taking. If you go to Eretz Yisrael, there are people with tattoos on their body. They're wearing, they're wearing tzitzis out. They're putting on tefillin every day. There's a tremendous movement of tshuva today from people that are secular, people that are chilim, the people that a few months ago, before Simchas they were violently anti-charedim, anti... And now all of a sudden they realize that, you know, we're one people, and so we should be taking all of the news about the war, and, and just like in Eretz Yisrael, they're becoming from or from it, we should become from or from us. We should re- recognize that we're the Amanivchar. And it's why is it that the whole world is going so crazy about about what we're doing, about every little thing? And there, there's you know the uh, the the international court is like try, has a trial against Israel about you know that we're creating genocide. Like, did they miss the whole you know the cause and effect? They missed the whole Simchas Torah attack, which killed twelve hundred. Yidden and and with all types of terrible atrocities committed, burning babies and unspeakable acts of violence. Like, how did what's the chat? Why, why is it we, we you know we just said before about the UN always uh, you know going against Israel. Most like a rive of the resolutions were against Israel. Nothing against all of the tribes in Africa that are killing each other every day. They couldn't care less. Just Israel, Israel, Israel. What's the chat? The chat is that. Inherently, the world knows that Klai Yisrael is the Amanivchar, that we're the chosen people. And if we're the chosen people, so then they, w- there's an expectation that we act in a, in a moral way beyond the rest of the world. It's the biggest muster, the fact that they're so medactic on everything we do, that means we have to be medactic on everything we do. They see that we're, we're different. They don't hold us by the same measure, the same yardstick as the rest of the world because we're not. We're, we're, we're expected to be held to a much higher standard. And, and so we have to, if, if the world sees that in us, then we have to see that in ourselves. We also have to, have to act in a, in a higher way, in a, in a more moral way, in a, in a better way. And so this is the... Uh, a very, it's the, the times that we're living in is, is like, it's very scary, it's very frightening, it's, you know, it, it's, nobody, you know, ever would have imagined that we could be living through such a period of time just a few months ago, but this is, you know, this is the, uh, 
the trial of our moment in history and whatever is, is taking place in Eretz Yisrael should not be limited to Eretz Yisrael. If people that are completely secularized are able to find religion and become, you know, very uh, influenced by Tyra, by Amuna, by the Rabbanishan, by Achdas, then we should be part of that movement also. We are from, and we and we already have Tyra, we have Tefillin, we have Tzitzis, we, have, we should appreciate it more and get closer to the Rabbanishan, recognizing that were it not for the Rabbanishan, we would be just like them, we would be like Hamas. So, Baruch Hashem, we are Atavachatan Mikal Am Hakashrochu chose us. He held us to a higher standard. He he selected us and he made us the world, the the Arlagayim, the the light unto the nations. And we have to see ourselves in that light also. We have to be able to appreciate the Rabbanishlam, be appreciate ourselves and and be able to strengthen and reinforce our own emuna. Uh, and that would be a tremendous takeaway from this Mohammed. Okay,